Hello and welcome to The Green Hornet from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. X-Tree, X-Tree, Sentinel X-Tree, now the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush, presents The Green Hornet. the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. With his faithful valet Cato, Rip Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Now ride with Rip Reed in the thrilling adventure of The Changing Alibi. The Green Hornet strikes again! The adventures of the Green Hornet are brought to you by the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush. Delicious Orange Crush is made with real fresh oranges. With all its wonderful fresh fruit flavor, sealed in that sunproof Orange Crush brown bottle. The exclusive brown bottle that keeps light out, keeps flavor in. Always look for that exclusive brown bottle and enjoy the one and only Orange Crush. Dan Menden used a legitimate shipping business to mask his criminal activities. He had been questioned and arrested by the police many times, but he had never been brought to trial. Witnesses were loath to testify against Menden, and the reason was the menacingly persuasive powers of Menden's lieutenant, Joe Anacosta. But Anacosta had developed ideas. That evening, he entered the outer office of Menden's place of business near the waterfront. Clifty Miller, one of Menden's huskies, alone in the office, looked at the wall clock. I Joe, you're ten minutes late. When you called the boss today, you said you'd be here at seven. So what? Is Dan inside? Yeah, go right in. Hello, Dan. So you finally got here, huh? Yeah. And now that I'm here, Dan, I'm not going to beat around with the words. I'll give it to you straight. I'm not your boy any longer. Huh? What are you talking about? Dan, I've decided you ought to retire. I'm taking over. Got the kidding, Joe. I'm not kidding, Dan. From now on, I want to take from the Shippers Protective League. The Dock Loader Society, your six or five loan racket, and everything else you've been running. You're crazy. Get your hands up, Joe. Don't reach for your gun. Well, you... You're not smart, Joe. You should have had your gun pointing at me when you came in here. You ought to know I'd outdraw you. Now, wise guy, get over against the wall. No. You'll kill me. You'll kill me. Give me that gun, you... Clifty Miller in the outer office heard the struggle. He leaped from his chair and crossed the room. Shots rang out before he reached the door. Hey, boss, what's it? Dead. You, you killed Joe. Yes, I killed him. It was either me or him. He asked for it and he got it. Clifty, the first thing we'll do is get rid of the body. I know just this spot, boss. Just this spot.
Jippo Gray and his wife Aggie were walking along Water Street. The street, except for an occasional automobile passing on the bridge overhead, was completely deserted. You know, Zippo, this is the time I like it best here. Yeah, me too. No trucks on the street, nothing doing in the dark. No sneaking cops there. Zippo, get over here, quick. Hey, you going nuts? What are you doing? Crouching down behind those barrels. Zippo, look down there at the end of Pier 58. Near the park car. You see them too? Aggie, they're dragging something. Something? That's a body. Zippo. They're lifting it up in their arms. It's a man. They've thrown him into the river. Aggie, it's murder we're looking at. Don't move, Jimbo. Hey, they're turning around and getting into the car. And when they come off the pier, they left to pass this spot. If they see us, they might kill us. Stay here till they pass. Gone. Aggie, did you see their faces? No, no, I was too scared to look. But, Jippo, when they passed, I saw part of the number on the license plate. The last three numbers. Jippo, what's the matter with you? Didn't you hear what I said? Yeah, I heard you, Aggie. Aggie, I don't need to know what the license number was. I recognize one of the men who was in that car. Jippo, you don't mean... I do too, Aggie. She a big shot like him. Who was he? What's his name? It, uh... Oh, never mind. I'm not telling you. Why aren't you telling me? I'll hear who he is when you tell the cops. We're not telling the cops, Aggie. For me, all my life, cops are in trouble. Listen, Aggie. If we don't tell the cops, we'll get enough money to keep us for the rest of our lives. Why, you're talking loony. I'm Jimbo. not. I'm not, Aggie. That fellow I saw in the car is a big shot who likes to keep out of trouble. If I tell him I saw him here, he'll pay me to keep quiet. You go on home, Aggie. I've got some business to look after. Dan Menden and Clifty Miller had returned to Menden's office, where Menden called his fiancée, Maxine Paris, and told her to meet him at Palmyra's Chop House. He also called Rocky Palmyra, the restaurant owner, and gave him certain instructions. Then he prepared to leave the office and go to the alley where Clifty Miller was cleaning the death car. Suddenly the door opened and Jippo Gray stood there. Hello, Mr. Menden. Who are you? How'd you get in here? I came in the back way. Your pal was fixing the car. I didn't want to disturb him. So I walked right in. Then walk right out. I don't give handouts to tramps. I saw you a little while ago, Mr. Menden. You and the other fella. Huh? What are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. I saw you and the other fellow a while ago down on Pier 58. You did, huh? Go on, tell me more. Jippo Gray told of the scene he'd witnessed, but made no mention of his wife being with him. He ended... And so when I saw who you were, I thought maybe you'd rather pay me than have me go tell him the cops. So that's your game, is it? Blackmail, huh? Uh, who else was with you when you had this pipe dream? Uh, nobody. Good. Did you finish with the car, Clifty? Yeah, boss. Then take care of this would-be shakedown artist now. Sure, be glad to. Would I give him a treatment? No, Clifty. 
The works. Hey, just a minute. You, you said the works. That means you're going to kill me. I just guess the tomato knows. Now turn around and start moving out that door fast. Shortly after, Dan Menden sat at a table in Palmyra's chop house. Seated with him were Maxine Paris, his beautiful and overly blonde fiancée, and Rocky Palmyra, hard-bitten owner of the cafe. Menden was talking low and earnestly. And because the police know that Joe worked for me, they'll probably ask me questions. That's why I want to have this story set about Maxine and me coming here at 7 o'clock and staying until after midnight. It's all right with you, Rocky? Well, sure, sure, Dan, any time. I get a couple of time of the waiters and the waiters to go along with the story. Good. You have your story straight, Maxine? Yeah, sure. You called for me at 6.30 and we got here about 7. That's easy. Uh, that's a too bad about the Joe, Dan. He's the one who kept everybody in the line for you. Oh, you're going to miss him. Yeah, so will I. You sure could rumble. What when we were dancing? Now, shut up. Me. Let's eat. Rocky, tell the waiter to bring our steaks, will you? Oh, sure, Dan, sure. They'll be right here. Gippo Gray's bullet-ridden body was found early the next morning in a woods on the outskirts of the city. Hours later, as Gippo's body was being taken to the city morgue for identification, another body was found, that of Joanna Costa. Michael Axford of the Daily Sentinel, assigned to the seemingly unimportant murder of the still unidentified tramp, was on the telephone seconds after word of Anacosta's death was received. Sentinel and Mike Axford, put me through to the city desk in a hurry. But when I'm finished, transfer me to Reed's office, will you? Ah, that's a good girl. Hello, Gunnigan, listen to this. They just found Joe Anacosta full of bullets floating in the river off of Pier 58. <laughs> Rick Reed, young publisher of the Daily Sentinel, after Axford's telephone call, went to the office of his friend, Police Commissioner Higgins, one of the few persons who knew that Reed was the Green Hornet. When Reed met Higgins, the latter was on his way to the Homicide Bureau. Uh, come along, Reed. Perhaps something's breaking on the Joanna Costa case. As Reed and Commissioner Higgins neared the door leading to the Homicide Bureau, Michael Axford emerged from another door. He stopped when he saw them. Hey, Reed, I just pulled the paper and told them about that old guy they found murdered out near the city line this morning. They've just identified him by his fingerprint. Oh, who is he, Axford? An ex-convict, Chip O'Gray. He's got a wife who lives down on Front Street, and I'm heading there now to see her. The detectives are going too, Axford. Oh, sure, Commissioner. They've gone already. Well, I'll be seeing you later, Reed. Right, Axford. Well, here we are, Reed. Well, Lieutenant Mahoney, you wanted to see me? Yes, Commissioner. Look at these photographs, sir. We just got them back from ballistics. Lieutenant Mahoney, ballistics expert, showed the enlarged pictures of two bullets with identical markings on each. One of them comes from the body of Joe Anacosta. The other's from the body of a tramp found dead out near the city line. Jippo Gray? The man expert just told us about? That's the one, Commissioner. There's no doubt about it. Both men were killed by the same gun. Oh, that's most interesting. I wonder... Reed, if you don't mind, I'd like to hold back that information for a while. If it doesn't get into the papers at once, it'll make it easier for us to follow up on it. Well, the Sentinel will print nothing until we get the go-ahead, Commissioner. You have my word. Oh, thanks. However, uh, 
Well, there's no objection if I follow up on the information, is there? Uh, on my own, I mean. I'm sure there'll be no objection at all, Reed. Then I'm going down to Front Street at once to see the widow of this Jippo Gray. I'll go with you. Well, Lieutenant, will you get me the Gray address? Yes, sir. I think I'd like to speak to the woman myself. When Reed and Commissioner Higgins arrived in the dingy tenement apartment of Aggie Gray, the woman was sobbing bitterly after recovering from a faint brought on by the news of her husband's death. Axford, standing behind the detective who'd been questioning her, whispered to the new arrivals. I guess you know about it already, huh? About what? She and her husband saw two men throw what must have been Anacosta's body into the river. And they I said, knew he'd get into trouble not sending the cops like I wanted him to do. And the terrible part is, he didn't tell me the name of this big shot who we recognized. That's who it was that killed him. I know it. But I got the last three numbers on the auto license plate. Maybe that'll help you to find Jiffo's murderer. Maybe that'll oh, help Mrs. you Gray, to find him. Uh, I'm Police Commissioner Higgins. <laughs> tell me, what were the last three numbers on the license plate? Well, let me see now. Yeah, I have them. I remember them now. Nine, three, four, as they were. Nine, three, four, I'm sure of that. Thank you. Well, Reed, let's get out of here in a hurry before the license bureau closes for the day. We'll start them checking on all license plates ending in nine, three, four. We'll continue our story in just a moment. Hi there, fellas and girls. Say, when you got home from school today, what did you have for a snack? Maybe some good bread and butter and cookies? And you know, I hope you also had yourself an orange crush. Because that cool, tangy orange crush flavor makes snack time specially enjoyable. I want to tell you something about that flavor. The reason it's so wonderfully good is because orange crush is made from real oranges. Fresh, tree-ripened oranges from sunny California. There's nothing artificial about orange crush. No artificial flavoring, no artificial coloring. That fresh fruit golden orange crush goodness is nature's and nature's alone. That's why you can drink all you want of delicious orange crush. It's good for you, really nourishing. I'm sure mother would want to know that. Tell her about it, won't you? And tell her you like orange crush. Tell her to get a six bottle handy pack of orange crush the very next time she shops. And anytime you're out yourself and feel the least bit thirsty, be sure to ask for Orange Crush. Insist on Orange Crush. There's nothing else quite so good. You'll recognize Orange Crush by its famous crinkly brown bottle, the sunproof bottle that keeps light out and keeps flavor in. So wherever you are, say, I want Orange Crush. O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H. Orange Crush. It's good for you, really nourishing. I'm sure Mother would want to know that. Tell her about it, won't you? And tell her you like Orange Crush. Tell her to get a six-bottle handy pack of Orange Crush the very next time she shops. And any time you're out yourself and feel the least bit thirsty, be sure to ask for Orange Crush. Insist on Orange Crush. There's nothing else quite so good. You'll recognize Orange Crush by its famous crinkly brown bottle, the sunproof bottle that keeps light out and keeps flavor in. So wherever you are, say, I want Orange Crush. O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H. Orange Crush. Now back to the Green Hornet.
The license bureau kept the man overtime to check on all plates that ended in the numbers given by Mrs. Gray. Then when these were listed on sheets of paper, Commissioner Higgins and Reed began to check off the names and addresses. It was Reed who saw the name that brought their work to a halt. Hey, Commissioner, look at this, will you? Well, let me see. Daniel James Reed. Dan Menden. His car ends with those numbers. Great Scott, you think... I that... think there's no need to look further. Dan Acosta was Menden's right-hand man. Menden's office isn't too far from Pier 58 or from the house where Jippo Gray lived. We checked on Menden's alibi. He and his fiancée were at Palmyra's chop house from 7 o'clock on last evening. But Reed Menden told me he'd be home this evening. I think I'll have men question him at once. Wait, Commissioner, I... please. May I suggest that you don't question Menden for at least an hour? Mm -hmm. Why should I wait that long? Because you may be sure he'll be ready for you with an alibi. Now, Commissioner, suppose someone should enter Menden's home within the next hour without his knowing it. But Reed... Suppose you called him by telephone, say about 8.30, and told him you were checking a new angle that might involve him. Why should I do that? Put him on his guard. Yes. It might even move him to do and say things before the police got there. Things that might be overheard by the person who'd entered the house unknowingly. Something the police wouldn't be permitted to do by law. You mean... Yes, Commissioner. The Green Hornet has thought of investigating Dan Menden before this. Now might be a good time to start. As police commissioner, I have no comment to make. As a friend, I can only tell you that Menden's home is at 1100 River Terrace. And again, as commissioner... You may want to know that the police will not call Menden before 8.30. Reed hurried to his apartment where he outlined a plan to Cato, his valet friend and the first person ever to know that Reed was the Green Hornet. Cato led the way to Reed's bedroom and gave him the Green Hornet's mask and gas guns. Well, here you are, Mr. Bitts. You say you're in a hurry, so we go now. Cato, that's Menden's home on the corner. We'll park the Black Beauty among those trees near the river. We'll enter through this rear door, Cato. Have the gas gun ready while I use my special key. Yes, it is. Dan Menden and Clifty Miller had been playing cards in the Menden living room unaware that for more than half an hour, their every word had been heard by the Green Hornet. He and Cato, who was also masked, stood outside the living room door, listening intently. Menden rearranged the cards in his hand, then placed them on the table. Jim! <laughs> I schnatted you this time, Clifford. Oh, you're lucky. Wait till I answer this. Hello? Uh, why, hello, Commissioner. It's the police commissioner. What? What's that? You don't say... What is the bar? Yeah. Goodbye, Commissioner. Yeah. There's something about this I don't like. Why should the police commissioner himself call and tell me he has a new lead which involves me? He told you that? Yes, but that's all. I can't figure the angle. Hey, do you think maybe Rocky Palmyra, one of the waiters in this place, messed up your alibi story? Maybe the cops learned you weren't at the chop house at 7 o'clock. If that happened, I'd know about it by now. Wait till I check with Rocky. Hold him. Hello, Dan Mender. Let me speak to Rocky, huh? Well, he's not. How soon will he return? 
Oh, good. Tell him to call me then. I'll be waiting. Not in, huh? No. His wife ate at the place, and he's driving her to the theater. He'll be back soon. What about your girl, boy? You think maybe they started questioning her again? Why should they? Unless... I'd better check. Yeah, those cops can rattle anybody if they try hard enough. Are you... Well, no offense or nothing, but Maxine's not smart. Shut up. Maxine, has anyone tried to check your story about... No? Well, I don't know. Hey, what was that? Hey, it was out in the hall, boss. I'll see. Maxine, hold on a minute. Something's wrong. Clifty, get your gun ready. Menden placed the telephone aside, took a gun from the top drawer of his desk, and followed Clifty, who had gone into the hallway. He could hear Clifty coughing and gasping as he reached the doorway. Clifty, what's wrong? What's happened to you? Menden. Hey, what's Don't that? use that gun. You stop. Hey, your shot's wild. Here's gas. Hey, he's out. Thanks for grabbing his arm. Shot just missed me. Oh, good thing I close to him. Keep an eye on them, even though they're unconscious. I must go inside and complete Menden's phone call. Hello, Maxine. I'm finishing this call for Dan. Maxine, things have gone wrong. If the police should ask about last night, tell them you made a mistake. Yeah, that's right. Say you and Dan got to Palmyra's at 8.30, not 7. If you do that, everything will come out the way it should. Now, don't worry. Just stick to your story. You'll be seeing Dan soon. Goodbye. Hello? Rocky? Dan told me to take the call for him. Look, he and Clifty are in a jam. He'll have to change that story about getting to your place at 7 o'clock. I know. But he says he wants you to change it. Say that he and Maxine arrived there at 10.30. And Maxine's set with her story. Don't worry. Well, that's up to you. Goodbye. Yeah. Now one more call. Mr. Higgins. Then for the last one. After a long talk with Commissioner Higgins on the telephone... The Green Hornet returned to the hallway and joined Cato. Let's get to work on these two and wake them up. I'm taking one last chance to learn the truth. Well, what is it? I can't tell you, but the commissioner knows. And he and his men will be ready at the right time and right place. Start slapping them. They're due to revive soon anyway. Hey, hey, hey. Minutes later, Dan Menden and Clifty Miller regained consciousness. Come on, snap out of it, Menden. Wake up and listen to me. I'm awake. Uh, what? The Green Hornet. Yes. Now, when Jip O'Grey was killed, only one witness was taken out of the picture. There was someone else who knows what happened last night. Someone who was on Pier 58. What are you talking about? I say there's a witness still alive. Menden, right now the police are checking again on that alibi you set up with Rocky Palmyra and Maxine. How do you know that? How do you... Oh, yeah. I was talking on the telephone when... When I got you away from it. Yes, I hung up. Now, listen, Hornet. Why did you come here? Why do you tell me all these things? Because when Anna Costa was killed, I made up my mind to cut myself in on your rackets, Menden. Hey, that's what Joe tried to do. That's why That's he's... why he was killed. I know that now. But, Menden, I want you to stay out of jail. That's why I'm telling you that Jippo Gray's widow saw what happened what? last night, too. His widow? I'm telling you this for what it's worth. The police aren't bothering her right now. I have a way of knowing that. Don't ask me how. You mean she... she's alone? Yes, and will remain alone. Unless she has visitors. What's this got to do with me? When you're in the clear, I'm cutting in on you. I've told you all I intend to tell. 
I took your gun and left it inside. We'll leave you now, my partner and I. The Green Hornet and Cato turned and sped from the hall and ran to the rear door. Menden and Clifty, still groggy but faintly comprehending the story told by the masked man, looked at each other. Clifty, let's check on his story. First, I'll call Maxine and check with her. Maxine, this is Dan. Listen, I couldn't finish that call before because... What's that? The police are there. What? What? You told them we got there at 8.30. 8.30, but I told you... Hello, who's this? Detective Murray, you say? Clifty. Clifty, we're getting out of here fast. What's happened, boy? That feather brain has changed the story. The cops are at her place and she told them we got to Palmyra's at 8.30. Well, you better call Rocky. Make sure he doesn't change his story. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, hope they didn't get to him. Now, let me speak to Rocky. This is Dan Menden. Rocky, Dan. Listen, Rocky. The cops are there, too, you say? Can you talk? What? 10.30? You told him... Oh! What now, boss? That mallet head. He was smiling, I think, when he said he told the cops I got to his place at 10.30. He sounded as if he thought he was helping me. And Maxine with her 8.30. Crept your alibi smash. Yeah, but like the hornet... I know. Without an eyewitness, it's going to be hard to pin anything on me. Clifty, we're going after that eyewitness before the cops get to her. Mrs. Jipple Gray answered the knock on the door of her tenement flat. Two men pushed their way inside. Mrs. Gray? Uh, yes, yes. Well, we're not going to waste time. Look, did you ever see us before? Uh, see, see you? Yes. Someone told us you think you may have seen us at one time or another. Like last night on Pier 58. Oh, so you were the two in the car. I saw you throw the body into the river. That and does I... it, boss. Now look, lady, you better come with us. We don't want to kill you like we killed your... You killed my husband. You Yeah, we killed your husband. Now take it easy, Mrs. Gray, or we'll kill you too. Stop it! Stop it! We can't waste time or take chances. One more death on my hands isn't going to matter. Step aside. I'll use my gun. I'll let her have it right now. Now... Oh, oh, get your hands in the air. Hey, the cop! Oh, Commissioner! Oh, I was afraid maybe you weren't outside the window like you said you'd be. We had men follow him oh. up the stairs, too. Get me a doctor, I'm shot. But you'll die in the electric chair, not from a bullet in the arm. We've been keeping Maxine Paris and Rocky Palmar in a car downstairs, Menden, waiting for you to come. They broke your alibi, but you supplied the clincher. How did you know I'd come here? The Green Hornet must have told you. Yeah, he's the one. Commissioner, you hear that? It was the Green Hornet who called you and told you. What about the Green Hornet? He was in on this too, wasn't he? I can't say that he was, actually. I'll bet he was. Double-crossing his partner, Mendon. That's what he was doing. Putting him on the spot so he'd have things to himself. That's what he was up to. You sure? Look, Commissioner. It had to be the Green Hornet that knew all these things. It surely wasn't Britt Reed. <laughs> No, I'm betting the green harlot was behind everything that happened. The Electry, Pet Bob, Mendon, Confessor's Murder, Papers Reveal, Racket, Setup. Read all about it, Mendon, Gang in Jail, Clifty Miller indicted. That's the Green Hornet story for today. Another exciting story brought to you by the most refreshing drink in the world, 
the drink that's actually good for you because it's made with real oranges. The one and only Orange Crush. It sparkles, it tingles. It makes you feel fresh again. Always keep several bottles in your refrigerator. And always remember, the handy way to do that is to get the handy pack. Six bottles of Orange Crush in a handy carrying case. This program is a feature of the Green Hornet Incorporated. Created by George W. Trendle, produced by Trendle Campbell Muir Incorporated, directed by Charles D. Livingston, and edited by Fran Stryker. The part of the Green Hornet is played by Jack McCarthy. This copyrighted feature originates in Detroit, and all characters, places, and incidents used are fictitious. The Green Hornet is brought to you every Wednesday and Friday at this same time by the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush. That's the drink you like best of all. Try it. Next time, ask for Orange Crush. But remember, don't say orange. Say Orange Crush. O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H. Orange Crush. Next Friday, listen to the Green Hornet again in the exciting story of danger entitled Keys to a Robbery. And now till Friday, this is Fred Foy saying so long from Orange Crush. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.